As a way to honor all of the mothers on here, from now through Mother's Day weekend, you can grab the My Essential Birth course and get the new bonus birth affirmations track plus matching birth affirmation cards and get entered to win one of three goodies from Docatot. Or you can be one of the first five to bundle and save grabbing the My Essential Birth and Postpartum course. And I will personally send you a handmade 100% muslin cotton belly bind with your bonus tutorial video. Plus you get all the bonuses from before the birth affirmation track, matching birth affirmation cards, and you get entered to win one of three goodies from Docatot totaling $247 worth of goodies. Head to myessentialbirth.com forward slash get started and join me in the birth course today. Happy Mother's Day. Women have been giving birth for centuries, so it's a pretty natural experience, right? Wrong. I'm Stephanie King, professional doula, childbirth educator, and the creator of the My Essential Birth Course, the online childbirth education course that's helping women everywhere confidently achieve their best birth. Today's culture would have us think that birth should be treated like an illness or an emergency, and that most of us need other people telling us what's best for our bodies because we aren't the experts. So sit tight, because if you're tuning into this podcast, you'll probably start to believe in your body, your intuition, and find yourself empowered and confident to do what it takes to have the birth of your dreams. If you like listening to me take you through these weekly topics step-by-step, then you're going to love the My Essential Birth course. Make sure that you're subscribed to the podcast and definitely head over to myessentialbirth.com for the free downloads mentioned right here in these episodes and to join the birth course and community full of pregnant moms just like you. I have to add a disclaimer that I am not a medical professional and I cannot provide medical advice. All of the information expressed in this podcast are based off of personal, professional, and educational experiences and are my own opinion. Please work with a provider you trust for medical advice during your pregnancy and birth. All right, welcome back to the podcast. And this week's reviewer of the week is Ash King 223. She says, I found this podcast at six weeks pregnant while bedridden due to my HG pregnancy. I'm so sorry, mom. That does not sound fun. She says, This has been the most helpful podcast with so much amazing information in every episode. I want to let every mom to be know about it. I'm 27 weeks now. First of all, congratulations to making it to 27 weeks being bedridden with HG. That is no fun. And hopefully we're giving you some more excellent content to listen to while you're laying around. Um, Hopefully something for you to enjoy. You guys, this week, I am excited about the topic. I hope you are too. Um, It's something that definitely comes up more now than ever, I feel like, which makes me so happy because it's something that I didn't even know existed until I started teaching birth classes. And that is the topic of postpartum doulas. So with me today, I have Gigi Vincent. Did I say your name right? I should have asked before we started recording. Awesome. Yes. Um, (laughs) I'm going to have her introduce herself. Tell me a little bit about you, your family, your home life how you got started in this, all the goods. Yes. So I am Gigi. I am based in Southern California with three little ones. And I got into this world first. My sister-in-law was a birth doula. So growing up when I was kind of younger, I knew the concept. And that's a little bit how I got into birth. And then postpartum when I had my own little ones, especially after I had twins, I really realized how postpartum is tough. So my focus kind of switched over to before, because I had that amazing village. I had my family nearby. I had all the resources in the world. I was very lucky. But with my twins, I didn't 
have as many resources. I didn't have, there's two of them. So it's yeah. a lot more work, right? <laughs> plus a, plus a toddler. So I really began to appreciate how postpartum needs that focus. Yeah. It needs, we need more. We know we're not getting enough. So my mission as a, a postpartum doula is to start early, as early as we can with really important, you know, pregnancy information, childbirth education, postpartum prep, and learning about how to, if we don't have that village, how do we create that village? A postpartum doula is one teeny part, an important part of that village, but where else do we get? Where do we get these friends? Where do we get pelvic floor therapy? Things that the average person is not getting information about or access to. How do we make this accessible? Yeah, I love that. And I love that you're here because I feel like at least, like you said, pelvic floor therapist, right? For those who have listened to this podcast, I hope that you've heard this before too. But there are many women that haven't. And I hope that at least by hearing postpartum doula, postpartum doula, you know, that's coming up more, that they'll understand that you are such an incredible resource because you'll have access to people and things um, and communities that they don't even know they need. And that is such a beautiful, beautiful thing. So um, you kind of talked about how you got started in this work and stuff. Why don't you answer the question for those that are listening? And I know they're going to be curious. What is a postpartum doula? If you had to put that into a couple sentences or even a paragraph, like what what is it? <laughs> Yes. So a postpartum doula, I like to think of it as a best friend that is there guiding you in the way that you need. So there's a lot of mental and emotional support that I am providing. I'm listening to and helping process birth stories. I'm validating, you know, we're all we all know what that's like to express to somebody, maybe, oh, my baby's not sleeping. I'm having such a hard time. Oh, just wait until they're toddlers. Hmm. And we don't want to hear those things. Or maybe you have a baby in the NICU and you're expressing to a friend, this is so hard. And they say, oh, well, you know, at least you get to sleep. Your baby's at the hospital. That's all taken care of. So I'm there to really listen and validate our feelings about whatever, birth, postpartum, sleep, feeding, you can complain to me and I help you process that and I give solutions if that's what you want. And like you mentioned, I'm a big resource. There are so many things we don't know about postpartum. So I am a lactation educator, so I give evidence-based information about feeding however you choose to feed. If the problems that you're having with feeding are more severe, I'm going to find you a lactation consultant that like is your vibe that is going to help you feed the way that you want to feed. If you're having a hard time with sleep, I'm going to give you realistic information about how a newborn should be sleeping. And if you're having a baby carrier, I'm going to help you do that. So I'm going to, everything that you have here, I am helping connect you with somebody that if I can't fix this problem or listen to you talk about this problem, I'm going to connect you with somebody that does. Things like pelvic floor therapy, maybe lymphatic drainage if you're having a lot of fluid retention, maybe um, so many things that we can connect people <laughs> with, right? Uh, things like if you're having a cesarean birth, you had a cesarean birth, you need incision care. That's something your OB probably is not going to give you as much information about as you need. I'm going to help you find somebody that's going to teach you or I'm going to teach you how to take care of your incision. 
So I'm a resource. And then the kind of basic shift can look like I'm helping you get rest. My biggest goals for a postpartum shift are that my client is going to sleep. They're going to take a little nap, rest for a bit. They're going to shower if they need to shower and they're going to eat a nutritious meal. And just that helps you bounce back a little bit. You know, when you're up with your baby all night, there are some postpartum doulas that work exclusively at night. I'm daytime, but I'm going to make sure you get a little rest so you can tackle, you know, the rest of the day or face the night with a little bit more energy, a little bit more positive, um, kind of positive attitude. You're rested, you're refreshed, you're nourished. And while I'm there for some of my clients that aren't interested in it, I am providing holistic postpartum support. It's kind of a mix. Uh, I don't, I wouldn't call myself like just Ayurvedic or just Malay or traditional Chinese medicine. I kind of do a blend of all of that. So I use herbs uh, to make maybe a tea or to do an herbal compress to help with womb healing. I might do a sitz bath or a yoni steam, depending on kind of how you're healing. And I do womb rubs just to teach people. So many of us, we're touching our belly so much while we're pregnant. And then postpartum, we just forget. We're like, eh, belly, belly did its job, you know, ready to move on. But we really need to connect with our stomach and thank our womb for growing a baby and birthing a baby. So I'm helping people get reacquainted with their stomach in this new way that it's healing. And then I do body rubs like uh, Ayurvedic postpartum uh, body rub is called Abhyanga. And that uses like a lot of nice, warming, nourishing oils. And then the last way that I support is through belly binding. I do Bangkung belly binding. It's rooted in Malaysian um, tradition and it helps improve posture, circulation. It just helps you feel kind of supported. So I, that's a lot of things to say, but I provide a lot of postpartum support. <laughs> I like that. Um, a couple of things that stood out to me, just as you're talking about not only validating, but offering resources, but you kind of called it like being like a best friend. And I love that. I love that idea because um, I think of like one of the things that I talk to women about when they're picking a birth doula, for example, or even as I'm being interviewed for somebody, I'm going to be their birth doula. I, on both sides, I think we're like personality wise, is this going to is this going to mesh well? Are you going to be comfortable completely naked with me in your space? You know, are you going to be comfortable with me making suggestions? Like, what is this relationship going to be like? I would assume it's the same when somebody's interviewing a postpartum doula. Am I going to be able to sleep? Am I going to be able to trust this person around my baby while my eyes are closed? Um, am I going to be comfortable with this person touching my body if that's something that I need? Um, and at the same time, it makes me think of like birth time and how you use a birth doula, which I'll give you an example. Like from my third birth, I it was the most comforting, amazing thing that she did. And I thought I was going to want all the hands on, all the massage, all the, you know, everything that I absolutely love. The best thing that she did was to be there and be calm because then I knew everything's fine. Like she's not freaking out. I'm not freaking out. Well, I would assume that's the same thing with a postpartum doula. Like, okay, like my mothering is okay because she's not freaking out. <laughs> so we don't have to like freak out, you know? Um, and I think of how, uh, oh, like even like the mental space that that has to just like clear up and make good. That it's incredible. The other thing that you talked about was reconnecting with your belly postpartum. I don't know that I have ever 
taken the time to really think of it in that way. And as you're saying that, like realizing exactly how important that absolutely is and how often we as women, myself included, look at our postpartum bodies unhappy, like that's not the body I used to have instead of, but that body just carried a baby that just made it so that my little guy is right here next to me. Um, And even having those moments of connecting and saying like, thank you, thank you, you know, and what that would do to your mental space. So I think even just those couple of things that you shared right here today, just me listening is serving me. So I know it's going to serve other women. I really appreciate that. As a way to honor all of the mothers on here, from now through Mother's Day weekend, you can grab the My Essential Birth course and get the new bonus birth affirmations track plus matching birth affirmation cards and get entered to win one of three goodies from Docatot. Or you can be one of the first five to bundle and save grabbing the My Essential Birth and Postpartum course. And I will personally send you a handmade 100% muslin cotton belly bind with your bonus tutorial video. Plus you get all the bonuses from before the birth affirmation track, matching birth affirmation cards, and you get entered to win one of three goodies from Docatot, totaling $247 worth of goodies. Head to myessentialbirth.com forward slash get started and join me in the birth course today. Happy Mother's Day. Yeah, even that point, it just like gave me goosebumps, like the way that you said it of like, yeah, we're not honoring our bodies and recognizing you know, it looks different. It feels different. It acts different. And we can sit here all day and kind of hate on our own bodies and like not be grateful. Or we can first take care of our bodies, nourish our bodies, not try to eat, you know, salad from, I love salad, but (laughs) not to hate on salad, but eating nice warming food. And a lot of times that will fix the kind of like if you're trying to lose weight, that will do that. Eating enough, especially if you're nursing, is so important. Yeah. And just taking care of your body. I love that. I'm like, can you come over to my house and be my kids? My youngest is 10. It's fine. (laughs) Help me love myself again. (laughs) Start that. You can start doing that with like Abianga, even though it's I do it for postpartum, it's something that you do with a daily massage, a massage oil. And I do this from my for my little kids. I show them, okay, we need to massage our stomach. We need to like put oil on ourselves. We need to take care of our bodies. And that's something it is healing yourself. When I do that for my kids, I'm healing that for myself. And when I do it for my clients, I'm holding space for all of those feelings. But you can start today. I love that. Oh, I love that. Um, you are an excellent resource for people. I'm so glad you're here right now. Okay. Thank you. Yeah. So something that we had kind of discussed even before jumping on here, just that you're passionate about too, um, is talking about, and I love too, when we talked like just prior to this, kind of what people need, quote, need or don't need on their registries and how I think just like the consumers that we are and Instagram happy that we are, you know, we're like on all these sites and like, oh yeah, I absolutely need this and I need that and wait, wait. I bought that one, but this one probably looks better. Or what if it doesn't like this one, right? Um, so do you want to talk about that just a touch, like what what they actually need? And you you even mentioned like, sometimes I'll go to my client's houses and I get there and there's like 10 Amazon boxes for all these different swaddles. And you're like, wait, let's re-educate real quick. <laughs> yes. I remind clients and your listeners that if you're pregnant, there's a billion dollar industry 
working to make you feel insecure Mm. and make you feel like you need things to get through having a baby. And that doesn't mean you don't need things. You know, we all need things. If you see the rest of my living room, I'm surrounded by, I'm surrounded by toys here. <laughs> and my, we, my kids need things. Babies need diapers. They need a place to sleep. But we have to check in with ourselves because I really feel we buy these things because we're anxious. We buy these things because we're scared. I'm scared that I won't be able to sleep. Babies don't sleep. No magic swaddle, no magic crib is going to make a baby sleep. We can do, there's a lot of things that we can do to make babies sleep when they're developmentally ready and when it is developmentally appropriate. But I love swaddles, but do we need 20 swaddles to fix what is developmentally appropriate? And that's where education comes in. And you said re-educate. I do. If I get to a client's house, they say, oh, that other swaddle wasn't working. We're getting another one. And I have to be like, okay, let's let's take a deep breath here. What are we feeling? And I think we're anxious because we don't have that village that we had for all of history. We had people, we had moms, grandmas, you know, ancestors be able to tell us. Our family was able to say, oh, hey, look, this is how you wrap a baby up and you hold them or you carry them. Or if you were overwhelmed, you had another relative next door that would come and carry that baby for you. Or you had someone coming to take your other kiddos so you could have a break. You were able to sit in a bed for weeks and your only goal was to bond with your baby. We don't have that anymore. And I really feel like we're trying to buy that through things that make us be able to do it all. And I, you know, I had a toddler when I had two little ones. I needed things to places to put those babies. <laughs> yeah. But did I need a million things? And a lot of times I I see clients say, oh, my baby doesn't like this baby rocker. I'm going to get another baby rocker. I'm going to try this other baby rocker. I'm going to try this bassinet. I'm going to try this. And often it's not that our baby hates that rocker. It's that our expectations for a baby being able to be on their own because of how American society is set up, we don't have other people to hold them. Yeah. And babies love to be held. They love it. Babies love to be held. Yes. So what I try to educate people about is let's switch from filling our our registry with just things and let's put services on there. So that might look like I ask a relative to or a friend or a coworker to contribute money to my overnight doula or I contribute to a birth doula or a really, really good birth or postpartum class, right? Let's switch that. Let's use our resources that we have. If you don't have aunts, uncles, you know, cousins, people coming over to hold your baby so that you can take a shower, that's the first thing is let's fill our our registry with services instead of things. Because we need a lot fewer things than we actually think that we do and we prepare for. Do you, it's just making me wonder um, as you're talking, do you ever talk with clients about 
asking for what they need from family and friends nearby that maybe they haven't felt comfortable reaching out to? Yes. So a big part of my work, even if I'm meeting with clients in like prenatal meeting, is saying for birth, who are we calling in here? Right. If you have a toddler and you're going to deliver your baby, who's coming in to help? What are you expecting from that person? Let's communicate that now. And then once you're home, people want to help. But how do we make them be the help that we want? So one way that I tell people to do this is with food. That's a really easy thing to do. And saying that, it's hard to say can you grab me a DoorDash on the way over? Or like, I picked up food. I ordered my groceries. Can you just go pick them up and bring them Mm. so I don't have to get my baby in the car? That's a hard thing to do, but people want to help. Mm -hmm. So I say leverage that. And then lastly, for the people that you do welcome into your space, maybe have a kind of a guideline for what you're expecting from them. There are people that are coming to visit. Those are the people that come, they don't bring you anything, they want to take a picture with your baby, hang out for 45 minutes on your sofa and leave. If you know that that person is not going to bring good energy for you Mm. and offer to help, maybe wait a few weeks before you invite them over. And that is becoming a lot more common. I don't want to welcome people into my space that I'm nursing and I don't want them, I don't want to like get naked in front of them. Yeah. (laughs) So that's okay. And you can say that. Whereas I think before we would kind of hide in our rooms. Right. We would be like, oh, okay. And we would just sit there on the sofa with them for 45 minutes doing nothing. When we were hungry, we're tired, we're thirsty, we haven't showered in four days. So I tell people, trying to have a ticket system of, if you're coming over, can you help me fold this laundry? Which is very hard to say. But do it or say, can you hold the baby so I can go take a 20-minute nap? I'm exhausted, right? So people are going to come over. You get to decide who comes over. And you get to decide what you do while they're there. Catch up with them for five minutes and then go take a shower. Ask them to walk your toddler around the block. You know, ask them to bring you a coffee or a tea or a nourishing meal. I like that. It also makes me think of like birth partners because I think some of this, right, comes down to personality. I'm sure that you've dealt with people that are like easy. Nope, you're not coming in. Now's not the time. I'm going to take what I need. I, I, you know, I'm strong willed that way. And then you've got the moms that are like kind of like turning in on themselves and feeling guilty for not letting people do what they want to do with their baby and within their home. How do you deal with that? How, how do you help a mom that's going through that? And it sounds like a postpartum doula might be a perfect fit for somebody who um, may not have boundaries kind of set up beforehand and still needs love and support. Yes, I first I'm there. If you need me to, I will tell families like, oh, we're going to just do the visit for 30 minutes today and I'll hang out here with you. I give people templates of how do I say that, even if it's through text. I'll tell my clients, okay, why don't we text this family member and say, we're doing only 15-minute visits today, or tell them if you want to come over, you need to do the following, bring a meal, help while you're here. So even just saying that and setting that boundary, and I'm helping them figure out why. Why Why are you feeling like you don't want this person here? And we'll kind of navigate that. We'll follow through. Why 
what is making you feel this way? And if it's that this person is making you anxious, we don't have to bring them over. And you talked about the partner. That is a big part of the job. There are many partners that are ready. They want to help. They want to do it, but maybe they don't exactly know how. You know, the first year after you have a baby can be <laughs> so tough on your relationship. So true. And I'm I'm there to calm the energy. I'm bringing that that kind of uh, levity to. All right, we're all we're all on edge here. <laughs> let's bring it down. I know you guys are exhausted, but let's find out. Let's talk through this. And telling a partner how to help is. I personally, I think partners are there. They need to be doing, they need to be like helping. They need to be doing everything that's possible. And that we don't want to take the mental, put the mental load on the birth parent, the mom to dole out that list of what needs to get done. So part of my work is before baby arrives, what do we need to do during birth? Even a partner calling and texting family members, Hey, they're in labor. You know, that takes something off so that you can focus on having a baby, right? And then postpartum, if that's taking shifts, every couple is different. Maybe you take shifts. Maybe, you know, the partner takes baby early in the morning or maybe, you know, it's switched. Every couple is a little different, but you need to be taking for a partner. You need to be taking the initiative and doing that. We don't want there to have to be this weight of communicating that. Does that make sense? So if that's like a list, you're doing bottles, you're doing laundry, you are in charge of, you know, bonding. And then for the parent, for the mom, that aspect of avoiding the maternal gatekeeping is something we're working with a lot. Oh, and maternal I love gatekeeping that, that word. For, yeah. Yeah. So for if if your listeners, if you've never heard of maternal gatekeeping, it is this feeling of I, this is my baby. I'm with this baby all the time and I know them best. And I get it. I've been there. I've done it. I've definitely felt that way. We have to let partners figure things out in their own way. And we have to let them fail and figure it out. If we are really nitpicking too much, it is going to make them feel like they don't know what they're doing. And maybe they don't know what they're doing, you know, but give the chance. And what that can look like is I'm going in the room and see you see you the next time baby's hungry. Good luck. And don't answer texts. <laughs> that might seem mean, but that's kind of the approach I recommend of let them go on a walk. Let them stay home with baby. And every couple is different. That might not be the exact fit for you, but I think it's important to have each parent bond with their baby differently. And is it going to be perfect? No, they might put a diaper on in a weird way. They might <laughs> put clothes on weird, but is that in the scheme of things, the most important thing? Right. No, I, you know, on the weekends, my husband is in charge of food. They eat a lot of quesadillas. They eat a lot of <laughs> like pancakes. I don't care. I just let it go. I move on. Yeah. And they're fine. Yeah. You just have to. So there's both aspects. One partner, uh, a supporting partner needs to take initiative, do things. It doesn't have to be perfect, but you got to do it. And don't ask questions. Don't ask for help. Just do it. And then on the other side, you got to let it go. <laughs> 
Yeah, I think I mean, I think that's so huge. Even talking about this prior to birth, like even letting um, a birth partner know there will be a point postpartum where I'm going to hand you this baby and not need you talking to me or whatever, like knowing that ahead of time instead of just throwing it on them even, I think is like so useful for them and for you to work on that communication and let them know what the plan is. Um, And then you talked about, which I mean, no disrespect to men, but it is true. I don't think that they quite understand what happens um, to like keep a home going maybe until it's not happening anymore. And so even letting them know like, Yes, I like laundry needs to be done and like dishes regularly. And like these are things that I would like to see. They're going to make me more comfortable because my my husband and I were actually joking about it this morning and it was my fault this time. I have like seven razors at the bottom of our shower right now, but I have the one that I'm using, you know, and he's like, he's like, you know, those like TikToks where the guys like they jokingly wear these glasses that it, it makes it look like they've asked their wife where something is and they don't see it. And then it like comes out of nowhere. You see this hand and it's the wife's hand. And he's like, I just don't see it. And so I think that's the case with you could have piled up laundry that's driving you nuts and giving you anxiety postpartum. You didn't even see it, you know, so like making sure that he knows those things are going to be on the list and what you expect, I think is super important. Yes, I love the Fair Play cards for that. So Fair Play is a book and there are the this it's called Fair Play Deck and it has a card for every task that is being done. Oh, nice. And if you are the person who is the kind of um, main point of, you know, keeping your house clean and taking care of children, maybe taking care of parents or other relatives, just having a physical card show, I'm doing laundry. I'm folding it and putting it away. I'm managing kids' doctor's appointments. I'm managing, you know, buying dish soap and doing the dishes and running the dishwasher, Mm, all of those things. Actually seeing it is very powerful um, if it is very uneven and showing like, what can you take on that I am always doing, but it's important during that fourth trimester And over on my podcast, Ready for Baby, I have a really good episode about this on how do we put our house on autopilot before we give birth so that that. we are kind of clearing stuff away, putting things on auto pay, you know, letting things go, maybe enrolling our older kiddos in fewer activities for that fourth trimester, just lowering our expectations a little bit. Yeah. And getting that done beforehand so no one is surprised after you have a baby of, oh, you expected me to start doing laundry? I didn't know that. Yeah. Like, I wish you would have told me that before. Or, oh, I'm taking the kids to soccer practice or whatever on the weekends now? Like, I didn't know that. So having that conversation and really a, a, a part of my job is mediating for those things. Of Yeah, I like that. I think baby should be doing this and you think baby should be doing this. I'm bringing an evidence-based perspective, but also like, let's find a way to make getting through the day. Maybe if you have maternity and paternity leave, we're both there. How do we make this where everybody's getting the rest that they need? Everyone's getting the nutrients that they need. Everyone's getting shower. If you're trying to get back to like going on a daily walk or you want to go out to coffee with friends, those are little things that we forget about. And we don't usually talk about because, and this is not to minimize birth, birth is important. We have to prep for it. But I think we're so focused on birth. We're so focused on our nursery that there's all of this in between that we get to that stage and we're like, oh yeah, 
I should have thought about that too. Yeah, 100%. I hear that a lot, even um, within our private Facebook group. You know, that's like the, oh, shoot, I didn't prepare for, you know, we have the birth, of, the best birth of their lives. And they're like, oh, crap, now I've got a newborn, you know, and I can relate to that 100%. Um, and so actually, that's like what forced us, right? Now we've got this postpartum course coming out for that reason, because there is a lot to plan for. Um Okay, before we move in, because I have a question for you about, I, I want you to talk to to my listeners about when is a good time to kind of reach out to a postpartum. It sounds like you meet with women during pregnancy to like get plans for this stuff. And I absolutely love that. I just want to touch on one thing before you got there. And that was because I don't want to rag on the guys that are listening here. Um, it, that That birth is so transformative for both parties. And I think I didn't give my husband the amount of um, respect and space and whatever that he needed. I didn't realize, I think too, because men communicate differently, I didn't realize that he was having a hard time. In fact, he told me years later and I shared it on a podcast, he went through postpartum depression. I had no idea. All I knew is he wasn't meeting my needs and we were like, I was angry with him. And um, so anyways, I just like being a mediator, having somebody there helping us like work through that because we don't even know necessarily what's happening inside at that time, I think is just so beneficial. The other thing that you brought up that I just think is huge. I'm like, why did I not think of that? Whatever this fair play thing is, I want you to tell me all about it when we're done here. I'm going to put it in the show notes. Having physical things that you can see, I mean, that's huge. I do this when I'm talking about birth all the time. Like, why did why did I not think about this? To have those things that not only that you can see, not so that, because I know as like a mom, I make up this list in my head, right? And then mine's, mine's bigger. And I so now I'm angry because I know that my list is bigger than my husband's. Um, so instead of yelling at him that he didn't do this, this, and this, and you have no idea that I do all these things, and how do you really quantify that? Having that in a place where both parties can see, even physically where he can say like, oh, that's everything you're doing today. Let me take this, this, and this, and I'm going to move it over here to my side of things. And so that you can see he cares, he's moving things, and your list is lower. I just loved that. I love that so much. So I'm glad you brought that up. Yeah, it's honestly, it's it's so powerful. And I think we also have to take into account how our brains work. You know, if you're in maybe like a more traditional couple where one person is totally in charge, they are organized. <laughs> the other person is probably less organized. Yeah. My husband, I do it in my head. I don't need it, but my husband definitely needs. And we've found that like taking the time to have him be able to like check something off is very mm -hmm. like, I don't know, it gives him like a little <laughs> dopamine hit. He likes checking things off, but I couldn't care less about that. <laughs> and then describing what that actually looks like. And I think that the fair play cards and the book, um, and I think it's a documentary now, but I haven't seen it. Oh, that cool. it does a really good job of explaining that you're in charge of something from start to finish. So one mm -hmm. example of that in my house, at least is trash. So my husband's in charge of the trash um, or like my oldest is kind of getting to the point that he can do that. But is taking the trash out just taking the trash out or is it taking all the trash out? Is it refilling the bag? Is it buying more trash bags when it's low? Is it, you know, cleaning the trash out? Those are things that you have to express that it took a few tries for me to say, um, you're in charge of trash. That means you clean the trash cans out too, yeah, yeah. right? And him being like, uh, yeah. And then I'm like, okay, but then the space around it, you got to make sure that that's clean, right? <laughs> like you're responsible for all of that. In my head, that's obvious. Right. If I'm in charge of trash, I'm cleaning the trash cans. Right. But it's the navigating that. And when you have a baby and you're exhausted and you're feeling like a failure, like 
my baby's not sleeping or I'm so tired or like you said, I'm feeling weird about my body. Those things can be like, it feels a lot bigger oh, totally. than it actually is. Yeah. Not taking the trash out, which is annoying, can feel like they don't love me. Mm. It, it <laughs> right? really can. Like it can trickle down all the way to that 100%. So figuring out like what is triggering me. For me, the dishes trigger me. If dishes are not done, that's for some reason, that's my husband's job, even though it's very triggering for me. Um, and if they don't get done, I'm triggered and I'm grumpy about it. And that to me translates of like he doesn't care that this bugs me. Mm. So it's having those conversations as well of what are my expectations and how does it make me feel if that doesn't get done? This is your job and you're not doing it. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I love all of that. Um, okay. Before we get into when is a good time to reach out to postpartum doulas and how to do that, um, I did want to, we had a question that came in from our social media. So I wanted to take a moment and have you answer that real quick. Um, and she said, what makes new moms feel most like themselves postpartum? I asked, if you could ask a postpartum doula anything, what would it be? And that was the question, which I absolutely love. So what would you say I to love that? that? Yeah. That's such a good question. Thank you. Uh, so I would say first you need to be rested and you need to be nourished. And I think we forget about that, right? So the bare minimum of, and that goes back to having the conversation of how much am I expecting to shower? I need to have my teeth clean. Like I need to brush my teeth. I need to shower. I need to eat. So you need to have your basic needs met. And I think this idea of that being self-care is doing a disservice mm. to us. You taking a shower is not self-care. That is basic hygiene. Yeah. <laughs> so we need to figure out how we get our basic needs met. And that can be calling in reinforcements. That can be talking about that with your partner. When are we going to shower? When are we going to eat? And really eating enough. So when we talk about postpartum mood disorders, not eating enough and not eating nutritious food is a big part of that. If you're nursing, you need to be eating more. That takes like how we hear you're eating for two when you're pregnant. We're eating for two when we're nursing. So you need to be eating good, nourishing meals, healthy food that has like healthy fats. Cold food traditionally in most cultures is not what we need to be eating postpartum. It inhibits healing. So we need to be eating nice, warm, nutritious food. On top of that, I like to tell people it gets a little better, you know, with every stage. The early stage, you need to pick one thing that's kind of a daily anchor to help you heal. For me, that's I need time to have a cup of coffee alone and I need a little bit of time to read. For me, if I get that, I can get through my day. You know, I can, I can survive being with my kids and working and doing everything if I get a little bit of time to myself to read and have a cup of coffee. For you, that might be if you are really, um, like, really into what you're wearing. Put on a nice outfit. That's not me. That's a lot of people, though. If it's going on a walk, but choose something. It's I'm watching my favorite reality TV show with like a bowl of popcorn, and that makes me feel good about myself. So pick something that every day you have. If that's 10 minutes, if that's 30 minutes, let that be it, that you feel like yourself. So what is the anchor for you? And I think a partner needs that as well. Yeah, I agree. So we need both 
partners to be getting a little bit of time. And that's really hard if your partner's back at work and you're home, you're with them all day. That needs to be when they walk in the door, you are going to need a little bit of a break. You take your 20 minutes and then you swap. So structuring your day so that you get something. But I would say first the bare minimum is getting your basic hygiene met, those needs met, eating good, nutritious, filling food, and then finding something that helps you feel like yourself during the day. That you are like, yeah, this is me. This is my life before I had a baby. You know, I feel like myself a little bit. I like that. Thank you. Okay. Talk to us about when is the best time to reach out to a postpartum doula and how to find one. Yes. So I wish there were a million more postpartum doulas in the world. Um, So I would say to start off, you can go to an organization like Dona or another one I really like is BADT for birth advocacy. And they both have lists of doulas that you can connect with. Like you said, it's important to be on the same page. You know, you have to have the right vibes with your doula, your birth and postpartum. It's very intimate And you also need to have, there's so many things that go into having a baby. I think what makes me kind of unique for uh, the reputation of postpartum doulas is I have no preference of how you do things. I'm like, here, you, I'm going to give you evidence about what you can, what decision you can make. But beyond that, it's not really, if we're doing something safe, that's the only kind of rule I have. You want to co-sleep? Let's talk about safe co-sleep. You want to put your baby on a schedule as early as is developmentally appropriate. I'm your girl. I'm here for everything. So finding somebody that aligns with what you want. If you are working with a doula that there are some doulas that don't want to work with people who are in a hospital, they prefer working with home birth clients, then that's not going to be a good fit for you if you're having birth and if you're giving birth in a hospital. So check them out, have a, an interview with them, an informal. I usually do like 15, 20 minutes where we're seeing, you know, are we getting along? Are we on the same page? Am I going to be able to serve you daytime, nighttime? You know, are the shifts the right kind of goal of what you're looking for? So talk to them, see what what services they're going to provide and if that's going to meet the needs of your family. And then in terms of scheduling, um, I book usually about like six months out. That's just our area. I'm in Southern California. There's a lot of people who want doulas over here. Um, But if most part, it's like a couple of months out, like three, four months, you can start during pregnancy. And I meet with my clients for a postpartum prep class. I do childbirth ed as well. Um, but for the most part, I'm going into your home. I'm, I'm giving you kind of like a, a reality check of what is having a baby going to be like, and how do we make sure that you're healing? And then there's other, if a post, a long-term postpartum doula is not going to be the right fit with you for you and your family. I'm usually with clients for six to six weeks to like three months, but if that's not going to be a right fit for you, let's kind of cherry pick and figure out, all right, you want someone to come in twice a week for overnights. Let's find somebody that's going to do that. Um, or maybe you just want a newborn care specialist that comes and hangs out for a little bit and gives you a break with the baby. Uh, it's There's so many different ways that we can find a doula. And regardless of your budget, regardless of you know your long-term goals, there is somebody who can 
meet those needs. So when you meet with women, um, and it sounds like, you know, you're not, which I, we know, you're not always going to be the right fit for one reason or another scheduling or whatever it is. Um, if somebody is searching for a postpartum doula, interviewing a couple sounds like they'll figure out, maybe they don't even know exactly what they need, but it'll help them figure out what they need along the way. Or someone like you, you can point them in the right direction. Actually, this woman would be an awesome fit for you. Does that sound right? Yes. And sometimes I do that if, you know, most of the time I'm there my family jokes that like I'm I don't love babies as much as I love moms and that is partially true. I am I am a newborn care specialist. I have children. I love babies, uh, but I really am there to serve the parents. That's what I view my goal as. Um, but there are also a lot of postpartum doulas or newborn care specialists that are there for the babies. And I have clients or uh, potential clients that are a little more anxious and they really just want someone having eyes on baby. Um, and I tell them, like, I I will do that, but I think you can find somebody that's going to be a better fit for you that will do that. I'm here to provide healing and validation and emotional support for you, not as much your baby. Yeah, I like that. I take care of babies. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so for women who maybe they're newly postpartum right now and listening or they're at like 39 weeks and they can't book six months out, what would you recommend for those moms? I would recommend looking to see when I have clients, I get messages from people saying, oh, I just had a baby and I'm, you know, drowning here. Uh, if I'm not available, I will try to fit clients in sometimes for like one session. Okay, let me give you an idea. Um, and I even do that for clients up to like five, six months where we can see that babies kind of run in the house where they aren't sure. Maybe parents don't know how to read their baby's cues yet. They don't know anything about wake windows or how to get baby, you know, doing what is going to be the best fit for that family. Maybe it's learning how to wear baby to soccer games, or maybe it's putting baby down in a, a bassinet or a crib. So I will come, I'll come for a day or two. So that's possible, just like one day for a little bit of guidance. Um, and then if not looking for newer doulas, that's what I pass on. I say, okay, I'm, I'm booked, but there are these other people that are newer. You guys might be working a little bit more in tandem to figure out how to navigate this, but it's still somebody there giving you a break. Um, and then if not, finding a support group, maybe it's like a, a mommy, baby, parent, baby class. Uh, most cities have something like if you don't have over here in Southern California, we have a lot of like centers, like just parent baby classes, but there's also like a regional center or like a mom's center where they have meetups. And if you don't find that, Go and take your baby to like a park, take your baby to a library and look, you know, we all know that look of like being at the park, like I'll be friends with anybody here. <laughs> help me. <laughs> yeah, help me. I don't know what I'm doing. Um, and start there of I need a village and then leveraging your resources that you do have. If that's family, ask them to come over. If it's friends, ask them to come over and help give you a break. So it's, I wish, I really do wish, and I envision a future This is my mission. I want everybody to have equal access to resources. I don't want postpartum doulas to be or to seem um, just out of, like, like out a of luxury. the realm of possibility. Mm -hmm. It isn't a luxury. Right. It isn't. It's 
it's necessity and this is how we used to do it. And that's what I want everybody to get back to. But I know for so many reasons, it's not where we're at right here in the US. So leveraging what you do have. And I think a midwife or a doula is a great place to start. Even if you just reach out to them and say, hey, do you know of any resources? My greatest asset as a doula in my community is that if you need something, I know somebody. You want postpartum meal prep? I know you. I know somebody that's going to help you fix that. If you need, you know, a pelvic floor PT, if you need a lactation consultant, if you are looking for a car seat specialist, like a technician to help you fix your car seat, I know somebody that's going to do that. So a doula is a good starting off point. Yeah, I like that. Well, thank you. Thank you for your knowledge and your wisdom today. Will you tell everybody where they can find you? Yes. Thank you so much for having me. So you can find me. I'm usually on Instagram, uh, a underscore simple underscore home. And my website is a simple home.org. And lastly, my podcast is the ready for baby podcast. Uh, similar to you. I'm chatting about birth, postpartum, parenting, babies, all of it. That's awesome. I'll make sure to put all that in the show notes for those of you that are listening. Um, and thank you again. This has been such an awesome conversation. Yeah, thank you. I really enjoyed it. Well, sweet. That was fun. That's it for this week, but make sure you subscribe to the podcast so that you get notifications first as I drop new episode every week. And don't forget to head over to myessentialbirth.com for all of the free downloads mentioned here and to join the birth course and community serving pregnant moms just like you. If you enjoyed this and other episodes, I would love it if you would take a few minutes to leave a review on Apple Podcasts. I read every single one and include one at the beginning of each episode. See you next week.